Well, it's good to be able to uh, share with you in this time as we uh, have the opportunity to focus around God's word. And I'm interested, uh, it's, it's really interesting to see what a change in perspective can bring to people. Uh, and I spoke to the lunch crew uh, on a Thursday and showed them a few images and uh, hopefully if technology works for us, we'll be able to show you those images as well. And these images help to, to challenge the way we see the world around us and our perspective. Um, if you have a look at uh, this next image that's coming up, it's an image of an elephant. But how many legs does the elephant have? Is it four? Or five? And where does one foot start and another one stop? Or here's a drawing of a person. And what do you see? But then if we start to adjust the picture a little bit and see it turn around, how does that change? How does that change what we see of that person? And hopefully we'll be able to see it adjust a little bit if we go to the next slide. And then the next slide. And it's the same image, but it's amazing. Then a little more of that image can change dramatically. Last week, Sam led our time in the Word as she shared about demonstrating compassion and how this all comes together with our deepening of spirituality. And if you missed it, then I'd encourage you to uh, listen to it on podcast or watch it on uh, YouTube. In the message, Sam said, that compassionate acts aren't our duty or an obligation. Compassionate acts for us flow out of a heart, a character that is set towards love, grace and justice. As we grow in being like Jesus, we grow in our compassion. And I wanted to, to linger with this just a little bit more with a story from the life of Jesus and how it applies to us today. One of the outcomes of people across the world self-isolating or staying at home more has been the benefit to the environment. Here's a picture that you may have seen um, in the news from AF, um, Australian uh, Federation Press, where it's a Venetian canal and all the sediment has dropped to the bottom of the water and the water is so much clearer and cleaner than it's been in years. Believe it or not, the car was once celebrated as the solution to critical environmental issues and the health impact of thousands of horses. This photo of a horse-drawn tram on Sydney Road near Coburg, near St Paul's Church. And horse-drawn trams and those sorts of means of uh, transport were the, the common form. The impact of thousands of kilograms of horse poo and urine across the world was cause of a variety of problems, including the attracting of flies and health issues. Now, I don't know about you, but one of my pet peeves is people not cleaning up after their dog does its business on the grass out the front on our nature strip. I find myself doing the twist and shout as trying to wipe what seems firmly embedded off the sole of my shoe, going back onto the grass, trying to wipe it as I can 
on the back onto the grass or trying to hop on one foot while squirting with water from the hose onto the sole of my shoe and avoiding what seems to be the unavoidable spray making matters worse because at the end of the day I want to keep as much distance between up here and what I've stepped in down there but imagine if you dare what it must have been like for those in Jesus day walking through the Galilean and Judean countryside with cattle and camels and sheep, goats, dogs, donkeys and the occasional horse, all sharing windy paths and city lanes. There was a menagerie of manure. So in the passage that Lorraine read, uh, we start to get a better picture of what it meant to be ferreting around someone's feet, even if those feet did belong to Jesus. If you have your Bibles near you, then I invite you to, to grab your Bible and um, we're going to have a look at John chapter 13 as we look a little bit more at demonstrating compassion and how Jesus calls us to demonstrate compassion with a change of perspective. Matthew and Mark provides an insight into the strained relationships between the disciples from a couple of days earlier, where James and John asked to be honoured above all the other disciples by being seated at Jesus' uh, left and right. Needless to say, the other disciples were not happy. Jesus' public ministry had finished and it was now time for some intimate teaching with those of his closest followers. Time was of the essence. The hour had come when Jesus would be fulfilling his messianic role. The aroma of uh, roast lamb and freshly baked bread filled the room as the final preparations were completed. With the last of the arrivals and greetings, people began to ferry out the various Passover dishes of lamb, unleavened bread, bitter herbs and wine. Talk of the day's events dissipated as all were seated. Attention turned to the master, their rabbi and Lord to begin this memorial celebration. Little did the other guests know that Satan had already entered and woven betrayal into Judas's life and the slip knot pulled tight on his soul. Taking a moment to reflect, Jesus was fully aware of his own role in eternity past, intimately involved in the earth taking shape and speaking life into all things. He also anticipated his return to God the Father, leaving his followers to carry on the work he had begun. Returning the intent gazes, which were now upon him, Jesus moved with passion, shows his disciples his overwhelming love for them. Getting up from the table, as confusion fills the faces of the onlookers, Jesus goes to one side of the room where there was a jug of water, a basin and a long, narrow towel were all assembled. Stripping off his robe, verse 4 tells us that he wrapped the towel around his yet unscarred waist with a length of towel falling down beside him. 
After pouring water into a basin, he moves to where his followers were reclining. Moving around the table, Jesus drops to the floor before them, washing the Jerusalem dust, among other things, that were collected during the journey to the upper room. Wiping their feet dry with the towel, he makes his way around one by one. The intensity of emotion seemed to magnify the sounds of dripping water and the rustling of uncladding feet. But Peter's voice in verse 6 is the one that broke into the sacred moment. You see, when Jesus came to Peter, Peter said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? You of all people want to wash my feet? Out of respect and a gesture of love for a husband and a father, a wife or a child might wash his feet. But even a Hebrew servant would never be expected to wash his master's feet. That was relegated to a foreign slave. Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday, very soon, you will. No, Peter emphatically protested, you'll never wash, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. My cleansing of you provides your connection to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over doesn't need to wash, except for their feet, to be entirely clean. Then turning to the other disciples, Jesus continues, and you disciples are clean. Because you believe in me and are accepting of my actions, you are clean. But not all of you. You see, Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked in verse 12, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, terms of respect and recognition. And you are right because that is what I am. And since I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Now, John's wording here can be translated a couple of ways. One way could be, if I've washed your feet, although I am your Lord and teacher. Or alternatively, if I've washed your feet because I am your Lord and teacher, you ought to wash each other's feet. But regardless of which way you take it, Jesus' message was clear, to his disciples was clear. No act of service is beneath you. Then Jesus continues in verse 15. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is a messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you have know these things, God will bless you for doing them. The grace that Jesus offers saves us for obedience to him, not to get us out of obedience. Obedience, Jesus said, following my example is demonstrating compassion and serving others. It is a path of blessing. 
a blessing that will last for all eternity. You know, as I reflect on this sacred story, there's a few th key th things for me in demonstrating compassion that are worthy of highlighting. Demonstrating compassion connects me with others. While there are many forms of service that people can volunteer for and give to a myriad of causes, Jesus models to us service and compassion that connects us with others. The vast majority of Jesus' ministry was up close and personal, connecting him with the untouchables, the down and outs, all the way through to the religious elite. If Jesus was only concerned about foot odour or hygiene of the disciples, he could have told them to wash up before dinner. Or surely the same Jesus who healed so many could command with just a word saying, be clean, expelling foot odour to some distant pig pen. But rather than caring at a distance, Jesus came over and connected in a personal way. Jesus washed and dried their feet. When it comes to demonstrating compassion, if it starts with a hashtag, then I think we've missed the point. While awareness of needs is essential, sharing a post does not put hot food in the stomach. Liking on Facebook does not put a blanket on someone who is shivering in the cold. Giving money to local and overseas projects is excellent and it helps others to serve like Jesus and it's essential for that. But for us to truly engage as Jesus did, Jesus calls us to personally connect with those we serve. Just as Sam shared last week, if we pray for opportunities to care for others, Jesus will answer those prayers. Demonstrating compassion means connecting with people. Through countless generations and throughout history, when the world would socially distance themselves from the, undes the undesirable, the leper, the unclean, the unwashed, those that were contagious, disciples of Jesus would step into those situations. You know, for me today, I am so proud of Sam and Aletheia and the CareWorks team. We are one of the few organisations in Darabin continuing to do face-to-face -face connection with people. Yes, we're careful. Yes, I've had a conversation with Mary about the risks that we face. But when Sam and Aletheia and I chatted about how we might respond, there was no hesitation towards keeping our doors open for the community to connect with them. But we also do this with sensitivity to our team and consistent with government guidelines. We are not mavericks. We are just disciples of Jesus. Demonstrating compassion also changes my posture and therefore my perspective. Jesus could have told the disciples to form a line and come to him one after each other, lie back on, on their back and stick their feet kicking in the air uh, so that Jesus didn't have to stoop down to wash his feet. But the Son of God comes. Jesus comes over to his disciples. He changes his posture 
and leans into those he serves and probably gets a face full of foot odour and other forms of odour in the process. The posture Jesus takes is one of love for those he serves. He doesn't even stay level with his followers. Instead, he places himself lower or below them, close to where the action is, and is found looking up to them. What an extraordinary humility that Jesus models to us. Humility of the creator to his creation. Part of the rejection and distortion of Christianity over the years comes because in the past there's been this resistance of Christians to change their posture and to take a new perspective. History is littered with stories of arrogance and service where those who come to treat others, um, they come and treat them as ignorant and deserving of their circumstances. Today we need to get back to the model that Jesus set before us by changing our posture from one of superiority to one of service, one that leans in to get closer, not leans back to keep a safe distance. When we take a posture of humble service, we'll see those we serve differently. I hope and pray that the COVID-19 pandemic changes the attitudes that governments and other people have towards unemployed, that they're somehow undeserving of our compassion and that it puts an end to the empty rhetoric that the best sort of welfare is a job. How we demonstrate compassion for people while they are looking for work matters. When we come with an attitude of superiority, when they are below us, we miss Jesus' example of demonstrating compassion, which involves a change of perspective. Demonstrating compassion changes my views as well, but not my values. In serving like Jesus, we have a change of view, not a change of value. In serving, Jesus didn't deny who he is. Remember the words of Jesus we heard earlier? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is who I am. That is what I am. And since I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. No act of service is beneath Jesus. He was prepared to do the most menial task imaginable. But that didn't change who he was. He was their teacher and Lord. He was still just as much God before he washed their feet as he was during and after. But even if we fear that our act of service might change how others view us, our value before God remains unchanged. He doesn't measure our value by our position or the role we have. What God looks for is our preparedness to be obedient in following Jesus' example. Demonstrating compassion also empowers others. One of the dangers in serving others is when we have a paternalistic attitude which disempowers or devalues people. An attitude of, I know what's best for you. You should be grateful that I'm here telling you what you should do. 
When Jesus, living beyond himself, served his disciples, he empowered them. He didn't step into a situation and browbeat them, telling them that they were useless. Look at what you've done. You've walked into the upper room with dirty feet. How, how are we going to clean up this mess? When are you ever going to learn? Instead, what Jesus did was to set an example and then challenge them. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower them to follow his example by living beyond themselves as they serve others. The first disciples then called successive generations of followers of Jesus to serve in a way that Jesus taught them. As we serve others, we need to encourage and empower them to also serve others with the same heart as Jesus. Also, demonstrating compassion is inclusive, not exclusive. Jesus didn't set up an exclusive foot washing club that was only available to Peter, James and John and the disciples closest to Jesus. It was not even kept to the 11 who would continue to be his disciples. Jesus washed the feet of all 12 disciples, including those feet of Judas. Often when it comes to demonstrating compassion, we can find it easy to serve those we like, we agree with, or who agree with us. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Just as Sam said last week, as she encouraged us to pray for those that we find irritating, not to pray at a distance for those that we find irritating, for them to change, but perhaps to be blessed. But Jesus modelled to us a willingness to be inclusive and as a result challenges us to serve those who may look for the opportunity, the first opportunity, to stab us in the back. The reason Jesus served like this was because he was, uh, he was motivated by love. You see, demonstrating compassion the way Jesus did and does is motivated by love. Jesus' example of demonstrating compassion was not to give his disciples a guilt trip, nor was it because of anything that he wanted to get out of in return. Jesus was not self-serving, but others serving. Such was the depth and consistency of Jesus' love and compassion to all his disciples, including Judas that the disciples were ignorant of who it was when Jesus meant, uh, who it was that Jesus meant when he referred to saying that one of them would betray him in John 13, 21 to 25. So for us today, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we need to be empowered by God's love and in the very act of demonstrating compassion to take God's love to those we connect with, those, uh, to those we change our posture, those to whom we change our perspective, those who are also valued by God as we empower them with open arms. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for the powerful example that you have given us. It's an example that 
even now can make us feel pretty uncomfortable about where do we draw the lines of showing compassion? How do we do it in a safe way? How do we do it in a way that is meaningful for those that we seek to be compassionate towards, those that we seek to extend your compassion to? Not just to make ourselves feel good and to hashtag look at me, but to instead say, God, help me to make a difference today. Help me to demonstrate compassion to those that I come in contact with today. We ask that we as Northern community would continue to grow in our ability to extend compassion to those around us. Not for our glory, but for your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. So how might we respond today? Well, I wonder how might God be challenging you to change your perspective today? As Sam shared last week about just praying for an opportunity when she talked about you know, how many homeless people do we know? You know, for us, how might God be challenging you to change your perspective of those who are better off than you from your perspective or maybe worse off than you? from your perspective? How is God challenging you to change your perspective of them and to see them through God's eyes? What might God be calling you to do in demonstrating compassion with a new or a renewed perspective? And also, how might we be able to pray for you in this coming week? Once again, there's a range of ways that you can respond. And uh, we'd encourage you, whether you want to send a text, whether you want to email my response at nccc.org.au, or you can go to the chat part of the Zoom meeting and just um, send through to Northern Community your response today.